Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Online Church today. We're so glad that you could join us as we come together this morning to worship God, to read from His Word together, and today to celebrate Mother's Day as well. Thank you for being with us on this special Sunday. This is not a passive time. This is a time where we really want you to be actively involved in worship. So please join in, sing along, um, tap your feet, stand up, whatever you like, whatever helps you to come into a space of worship. Um, We really want to um, to sing with all our hearts to God this morning and to express to Him our thanks for all that He's done for us. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity this morning to bring worship to you um, and to remind ourselves and remind each other of all that you've done for us and all that you are to us. We thank you particularly today. We think of our mums. We thank you for our mothers and for the women in our lives who we look up to and learn so much from. And we thank you also that you are our parent and we are your child. And um, a day like today can really remind us of that way that you've chosen to relate to us, that um, that you love us and care for us as your children. Um, we're so thankful for that. Amen.
the mothers out there, especially to my mom. I love you so much. You have been a beautiful example of God's love. Vent <laughs> 31. Enjoy your day. Happy Happy Mother's Day. Hey everyone. Love you all. Come in. Say happy Mother's Day. Day to all the mums out there and uh, to everyone else as well. So glad you could join us. Thanks for being part of our, our online service and hope you've been enjoying this series um, we're in the middle of, uh, Through the Eyes of, and we've been moving uh, through the life of Jesus, looking at, uh, at Jesus through the eyes of those he was interacting with, he was teaching, he was uh, healing, all of these sort of things. And, and uh, this morning, we're going to take a look at, at Jesus through the eyes of his disciples. Um, well, really the first look that they have with him. We'll probably check back in with the disciples a few times over the, the, this series. Um, but this morning, particularly, we want to think about or we want to take a look at Jesus for the first time through the eyes of his disciples. And this morning, we're going to look specifically at four, four of his disciples. We're going to look at... Uh, Andrew, um, Simon Peter, we're going to look at Nathaniel, and we're going to look at Matthew. And uh, we have a little bit about each of those coming from parts of the different Gospels, parts of the, the different books that were written about Jesus. Um, and so before we start to dive into the Bible, why don't we uh, begin this morning by praying. Lord God, we want to thank you so much that we have this opportunity to gather together, um, even if we're, we're separate at home. Lord, we are together in your spirit, unified by Jesus Christ. And Lord, we have this opportunity to open your Bible, open your word and, and to learn from it. And so Lord, we ask that you'd speak to us out of your Bible um, and through your words in the life of Jesus this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to begin this morning in the book of John. Uh, we've already had a look at John chapter 1, but a little bit further down. John chapter 1, verse... Uh, 35 to 42. And it says, The next day John was there again with two, his, two of his disciples. And when it talks about John, it's not John who is writing this, but John the Baptist. So the next day John was there again with two of his disciples and he saw Jesus passing by and he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus, turning around. Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? 
Come, he replied, and you will see. And so they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We've found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John, and you will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. So we see Andrew and Simon Peter, two of Jesus' disciples, Simon Peter, or we know him later on as, as Peter, and I just have to say this every time I preach on this, Simon is not a bad name and there's no need to change it, but Jesus obviously had purpose in, in doing that. So Andrew and Simon Peter, it's the first time that they meet and connect with, with Jesus and begin to understand who he is, but they do it in two very different ways. Andrew it says he was one of John the Baptist's disciples, and so he would have been a person that was looking for the Messiah, whereas uh, Simon Peter heard that through uh, second-hand um, information that, that his brother came and, and he, he shared it with him, and, and this is the way that they first engage with, uh, with Jesus. Then we... Um, we move on and, and we see, so we see those two, they're the first time they connect with Jesus. We move on, uh, continuing in John chapter 1, verse 43 now to 51, it says, And then the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And, and Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was, was from the town of Beth, Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. And said, so Jesus of Nazareth, the son of, of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, He truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were standing under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you and I saw you under the fig tree and you'll see greater things than that. And then he added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. So, Jesus meets Andrew and he meets Simon Peter and then he meets uh, another one of his disciples, Philip, and calls him to, to follow him. And that's all we really discover about Philip at this time. And then Philip goes to a friend of his, Nathaniel, and, and invites Nathaniel to come and meet Jesus. He, we found him, the one that, that Moses wrote about, this, uh, this one that we've been waiting from. It's Jesus of, of Nazareth. And so Philip was so excited that um, he... His excitement isn't met with the same kind of energy from Nathaniel. Nathaniel says, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? And then we see that Jesus continues to talk to Nathaniel through that and, and, and Nathaniel finally devotes his life. We'll, we'll take a look at it in a little bit more depth in a moment, but let's just have a look at this last one, this last disciple, Matthew and we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 to 13. And, and this is what it says. As, as Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. 
follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and with sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. And so we see a little bit down the track, Jesus uh, meet Matthew, who wrote the book of Matthew, one of his 12 disciples again. And Matthew was a little bit different than the, the, the five that we kind of engaged, or the four we engaged with this before this. Matthew um, was a tax collector, and certainly not a man that people would expect Jesus to be spending time with, or, or particularly not someone that people would expect Jesus to call as, as one, of his, one of his disciples, but Matthew too was called. So we're going to take a look at these four interactions, these four moments that Jesus calls um, these disciples to, to come and follow him. And, and we want to think about it though through what was happening for each of those disciples at the time. See, um, We'll begin with Andrew. Like we said, Andrew was one of John the Baptist's disciples. And so Andrew was already following someone who was looking for the Messiah. They were were looking for Jesus. And and we know just before this, John the Baptist actually baptized Jesus. He'd met Jesus. He'd heard the voice of God saying, this is my son of whom whom I'm well pleased. And so John now knew this was the person Uh, Jesus that he had been waiting for. He'd been preparing people for. He'd been calling people towards. The the message of of John was that the Messiah is coming and finally the Messiah had come in Jesus. And so Andrew had been following John and, 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 and John says to Andrew and the other of his disciples that was with him at the time, there he is. There is the Son of God. There is the Messiah. And so Andrew and, and this other disciple, they go and, and, and they talk with Jesus and, and Jesus calls them to, to follow him. So they, they spend the day with him and, that, and Andrew gets really excited and goes, tells his brother about Jesus. But what we, what we want to pick up about Andrew is, is this, that when Jesus met Andrew, Andrew was someone that had high expectations. He was a, a disciple of John the Baptist, someone who was waiting for the Messiah. He was expecting the Messiah. He was watching for the Messiah. He would have known what to look for and and he would have been looking for it in every way that that he could. He was someone who was ready. And what we can learn about the way that Jesus engages with, with Andrew is this, is that Jesus fulfills the expectations of the ones who are searching for him. The ones who are searching to be saved, the ones who are searching for a Messiah, someone to come and and rescue them. Jesus fulfills that expectation. I wonder if you've ever had your expectations let down. I think we all have um, at a a particular moment, at a particular time. It's so easy for us to get caught up with super high expectations about all sorts of things. But when we finally get the thing that we were expecting, it never, ever lives up to expectations. Uh, there's so many different ways in, in, in life that that happens. I, I always have high expectations of 
really big greasy hamburgers with lots of meat patties and cheese and sauce and all of that sort of thing. And, and you see the picture, have you ever seen the picture of the, the hamburger and it just looks like the most delicious thing. But then when you get the hamburger, it's certainly not the way that the picture is. It's kind of falling apart and it's soggy and the sauce is dripping everywhere. You try and get your mouth around it, it all begins to fall apart all over the place. He saw the picture and, and you're just expecting great things, but the reality is that it's not something that's easy to eat and there's probably too much meat and there's too much sauce and it's not the way that you were expecting. You begin to get let down. I mean, that's just a, such a small and, and insignificant example, but there's so many ways that our expectations get built up and let down. And, and Andrew was someone that was expecting great things from the Messiah. And you know what? Jesus didn't let him down. As a matter of fact, Matthew, uh, in Andrew's first uh, moments meeting with Jesus, all he could do at the end of it was run to his brother and say, we found him. We found the Messiah. He'd spent time with him. He'd, he'd, he'd been in Jesus' presence and he was left without a shadow of a doubt that this is the one that we were waiting for. And I've got to tell the people that are closest to me, I've got to go tell my brother that this is the Messiah. His expectations weren't let down in, in any way. And, and for us today, I'd want to say that, that Jesus, the, the real Jesus, the Jesus that we're learning about today, he doesn't let down our expectations. As a matter of fact, I, I truly believe that the more we get to know Jesus and we begin to understand him and understand how he loves us and, and who he is, there's... there's he, he, he doesn't ever let down our expectations. As, as a matter of fact, my expectations of him grow. The more that I, I get to, to know him and, and to understand him and, and to receive love and, and kindness and relationship from him, my expectations continue to grow. I, I can't capture who he is in my own way of thinking. He's, he's far greater. He's, he's far beyond that. And what an incredible thing to... To have a saviour, a messiah, this Jesus who, who doesn't let down our expectations. He, he reaches out to the ones who are searching. He becomes exactly what they are looking for. See, we're all in, this, in essence searching for God. The Bible tells us that we're all set with eternity in our hearts. We look for something beyond us. There's actually something in, built in us to look beyond just ourselves and into uh, what is more than just me? And, and we know that the answer to that, that eternity is Jesus, that he, the search for him is set in our hearts. And for those who truly seek him, those who truly search for him, he won't let down our expectations. He, his love, his kindness, his, uh, his relationship with us will always exceed our expectations, just in the way that exceeded Andrew's expectations, the one that was waiting for Jesus, his expectations were fulfilled. So much so, he goes to tell his brother, he runs to his brother Simon, and he comes to him and says, oh, we've found him, the one that we've been looking for. Here is the Messiah, Jesus. And so Andrew took his brother and he brought him, he brought him to Jesus and it, all it says about this moment is it says that Jesus looked at, at Simon and, and said to him, You are Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which when translated means Peter. And when we think about the way that Jesus connects 
with Simon. Jesus sees him in a moment, but he sees more than what is shown in the moment. He sees more about Simon than what is happening there right now. And uh, we can't preach on all of it today, but if you begin to read through the Gospels, what you begin to see, particularly in, in Simon Peter, is this incredible growth from a fisherman into a man who, um, after Jesus died, was the first man to preach the Gospel, the first man to teach people about who God is and what Jesus had done. And it's an incredible story of growth. And we see it a little bit later in Matthew when the disciples finally, truly, wholeheartedly understand who Jesus is. It's, it's Simon that responds. And Jesus says to him, it's good that you finally understand this. And from this point on, you will become Peter, Cephas, the name here. You will become Peter, which ultimately the translation of that is rock, a foundation, a solid foundation um, and, he, and he says that, that the Simon, the understanding that Simon Peter has is actually what the church that, that we're a part of now will, will be built on, that, that he will become part of the strong foundation of the church that we are part of today. Jesus saw all of this in one moment, one moment with this man. He sees beyond what is seen, which is just a fisherman. So a young guy without a lot of experience, someone that wasn't even looking for the Messiah, his, his brother that was out looking for the Messiah. But in a moment, he sees him and he sees more than what is shown in the moment. I wonder if you've ever had that thought about yourself. There is more to you than people realize and people understand. There's, there's more to you that, that maybe you feel unloved or, or uncared for, or unres- uh, disrespected. Maybe you think that there's more that you could be contributing or more that you could do. Well, well, let me tell you that, that Jesus knows full well all that you're capable of. He knows all of who you are. And I believe just in the way that he saw more of Simon, he sees more of you. He sees all that you are able to do and able to be. He sees the person that you can potentially be. And, and he sees through the the things that we put out there. He sees through the masks that we wear every day. He sees beyond it. And so in this moment, he sees through Simon and he calls him out and he says, you know what, there is more to you. There is more to you. One day, you won't be this person anymore. You'll You'll be Peter. You'll be this rock, this foundational person in the history of the church. This is who you'll be. Now, I wonder what Jesus sees when he He sees you and the potential in you. I wonder what he sees in the gifts and the talents, the personality that he gives you. Because I can tell you now that what he sees, he knows is good. And he knows is valuable and worthwhile and capable of so much. And if just for a moment, sometimes we could see ourselves through the eyes of Jesus, we would believe so much better about ourselves. We believe that we're able to do so much more, that we can be so much more, that we are capable of so much more. So we see Andrew and then we see uh, Simon and then Jesus continues to move on and he he sees Philip and he calls Philip and we don't know much about that, but then we we discover a little bit about Philip's friend Nathaniel and, 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 and Philip says to him, we've seen 
the Messiah, come and meet him. He's Jesus of Nazareth. And again, like I said before, Philip was so excited. We've, we've discovered him. We've been waiting for him. Here he is, the Messiah. He's come to save us. He's Jesus of, of Nazareth. And Nathaniel's response is, from Nazareth? What, has anything good ever come from, from Nazareth? I kind of get him. I'm, I'm from Blacktown. Has anything ever good come from, from, from Blacktown? Uh, I don't know. I hope so. But it hasn't got a, a brilliant reputation, does it? And, and this is the sense of Nathaniel that Nathaniel doubted that Philip had found the Messiah. He doubted that this was a real thing, that this person could be who, who Philip was, was saying he was. Could, could, the Messiah couldn't possibly come from Nazareth. This place, it's a backwater. It's, it's not anywhere special. As a matter of fact, it's less than special. It's Nazareth. It's Nothing good comes from Nazareth. This is what Nathaniel's bringing out when, when Philip's so excited. And, but Philip brings Nathaniel to meet him, to meet Jesus. And when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he says, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael asked him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. It seems like a, it's like a weird conversation, right? All, it did, all Jesus needed to say was us, that, that here is an Israelite with whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael realized in that moment that Jesus knew more of him than Nathaniel had given him. And he asked, how do you know me? And Jesus says, well, I saw you under the fig tree. But that doesn't, that, that doesn't help us understand how Jesus knew about who Nathaniel was, that he was an Israelite who there's no deceit in him. It doesn't explain that to us, but it explains something to Nathaniel. See, Jesus knew Nathaniel. He knew who he was, and he knew actually that Nathaniel was doubting in that moment. He knew that Nathaniel didn't think anything good could come from Nazareth, that how could the Messiah come from Nazareth? And yet Jesus still called him. And so what I want us to take away from Nathaniel is this, that Jesus knows those who have doubts. Jesus knows those who have doubts. He, he knew that, that Nathaniel uh, had doubts, that, that he doubted that anything good, that Jesus, the Messiah, could come from Israel. And he says to, to Nathaniel, Jesus says to Nathaniel, he says that uh, he's an Israelite who has no deceit in him. He's a man who, who's not deceitful, he's not a liar. And so he calls Nathaniel and he says, you're not even joking. So he can kind of get caught up in the joke, can't you? Oh, nothing good comes from Nazareth. You can get caught up in that. But Jesus knew from uh, Jesus knew about Nathaniel that he wasn't lying. He, he really didn't believe that something good could come from Nazareth. And I wonder if that were you or me, how we would engage with that. There's probably two ways I'll go about it. The first one is, well, Nathaniel, if you don't believe anything come, good comes from Nazareth, guess what? I'm going to prove you wrong. You, know, you come on, you just watch. I'm going to show you that something good can come from Nazareth. That's, that's one way I could go. The other way is, well, hey, Nathaniel, if you don't believe anything good comes from Nazareth, then I don't need you. I don't just get out of here. I don't need that kind of negativity around me. 
no, I don't need that kind of stuff. Go, just off you go, I don't need it. But no, Jesus, he knows that Nathaniel is, is, is doubting that Jesus could truly be the Messiah. He knows that there's some sort of bias here about people from Nazareth as well. He calls Nathaniel out and says, well, in you, there's no deceit. You're, you're telling the truth. You are really doubting. But he doesn't do it to shame him. He, he, he does it to help Nathaniel understand that, that Jesus, is some, Jesus is who he says he is. That he's someone that can be trusted. That someone that's actually worth following. And Nathaniel in these moments was able to move past his doubt because of the truth that Jesus spoke to him about himself. That he understood that Jesus knew him knew that he had doubts, knew that he had challenges, knew that he had struggles, and yet still was welcoming him in. That he wanted Nathaniel to be one of his disciples, close to him, with him, in spite of his doubts, in spite of the bias that he might have, in spite of the challenges he might face, he still welcomed Nathaniel in. And I want to say to us today that in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of our struggle, and where we might not sometimes believe wholeheartedly in who Jesus is or what he's able to do or what he's capable of, go right back to the expectations where we sometimes have expectations we believe are unmet. Jesus knows about those doubts, but he still welcomes us in. He still wants us to be part of his family. He's not there to prove us wrong. He's not there to usher us out if we don't ultimately believe it. He's there to draw us near. He, he wants us to be close to him and and this is the experience of Nathaniel and finally Matthew Matthew the tax collector in in Matthew chapter nine it says Jesus just saw him Matthew a tax collector sitting at the tax collector's booth and simply said follow follow me and Matthew got up and followed him and they had a meal together and at that meal his disciples were there and other tax collectors were there and other people came and, and asked. Jesus' disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and, and with sinners, these people? We, we're not, if, if he's this Messiah, if he's this great teacher, if he is who he says he is, why is he concerning himself with the people that, well, they're, they're not great people. They're, they're pretty bad people, actually. They're, they're, they're the people that you would least expect the Messiah to eat with. See, tax collectors, they, they didn't have a great name. As a matter of fact, they're... They just didn't collect the tax. They collected multiple amounts of tax and they gave money to, to the king or to the pharaoh or to the, the Caesar at the time and then they kept money for themselves and, and they became rich off, off other people's taxes. They were really, um, they preyed on people. They stole from people. They took from people and, and they, <clears throat> they lived this great life off the back of everyone else's hard work. They were people that society really looked down on and there weren't people that you would really want to share a meal with them. And I want to say this, I don't want to say that this is a like-for-like experience because tax collectors are really, really bad. And and I had a really uh, funny experience the other day with a a parking ticket guy. Uh, And I'm not saying that they're as bad as tax collectors. They, They just, when you park somewhere, they want to take your money if you park in the wrong spot. And the other day, or not the other day, because no one's actually been allowed at the beach for all of this time, but on Australia Day, I went to the beach with the family and a few other people, and we had to park a long, long way away, and um, at the end of the day, I went to get the car, and I brought it into the car park, and there was, wasn't anywhere to park, and so I kind of 
double park it in a place that's kind of illegal and I'm waiting for the family, I'm trying to call, I'm looking, I'm waiving and they're not coming and, and finally uh, I'm like, oh, I just better take the key out and, and do the run and the moment I, I open the door and I pop my head up, what do I see? I see the, 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 the parking officer there and, and I can see them kind of look up at me and and I quickly close the door and then I look around, are they there? And all of a sudden, bam, they're right there. Sir, you're, you're illegally parked. Oh, I'm just trying to pick my family up, sir. Um, I'm going to have to ask him. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying, sir, I'm going to have to give you a ticket if you don't move. So I hightailed it out of there. And I didn't want to have lunch with that person. Yeah, you know, Jesus is here and he's, he's, he's sharing a meal. Sharing a meal with, with the tax collectors, the ones that, that, sold, that, said, that stole from people. He, he's sharing a meal with tax collectors and sinners. And, and he's obviously causing a stir. But this is the nature of who Jesus is. He eats with those you would least expect him to, to eat with. He's, he, he's reaching out to those you would least expect him to reach out to. This is Jesus' response to those who ask, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Then go and learn this. Go and learn what it means that I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I've not come to call the righteous, but to call sinners. He's laying out in that moment. I'm not here for the righteous people. Have you ever heard the person says, I could never go to church. If I walked into church, the, the roof would fall down. I'm like, no, no, it wouldn't. If you walked into church, I can tell you now, Jesus would celebrate because you know what? He came for sinners. He came for, for, for people who were far from him. He came for people who didn't know him. He, he came for those who were in need of mercy. He came for those who were in need of forgiveness. He came for those who were in need of help. And he doesn't want to put a barrier between himself and, and, and the people he's, he's come to, to help. And so he'd go and he'd eat. He'd eat with the tax collectors. He'd eat with the sinners. He'd eat with the, the people that no one would welcome at their table. And he'd spend time with them. And he'd share with them. And he'd love them. And he'd teach them about God. And he'd encourage them then after all of that to not sin anymore. To not do it anymore. This is who Jesus is. He is the one that, that loves us. He is the one who came to save us. There's no barrier that he desires between us. He wants to know us. And so if we take the experience of these four disciples, that Jesus is the one that fulfills our expectations, that Jesus is the one that sees more of us, sees beyond our masks, sees beyond what's right here and now, that Jesus knows those who have doubts. And that Jesus eats, he spends time with those who you would least expect. To know that this is who Jesus is. This is the way that he loves us. This is how he treats us. That in spite of our doubts, in spite of our, our failures, in spite of our sin, he still loves us. He still wants us to be part of his family, to be part of his kingdom. That is the Messiah he is. He's come to save us so that we can be part of his family. I want to encourage you this morning. Where do you sit in all of that? Are you, are you the one with the high expectations? Well, I believe that Jesus will meet them. 
Are you the one that there's more of you? Is there more still to see? Well, I believe Jesus wants to bring that out of you. Are you the one with doubts? Well, I, I believe that Jesus wants to help you trust him. Or are you the one that would be least expected to be with Jesus? Well, I believe Jesus wants to show you kindness and love and mercy and spend time with you. I want to encourage you this morning to engage with Jesus in a new way, to understand his love for you, to know that he came for you, that that when we experience Jesus through the eyes of these different disciples, they're not so different from us. That Jesus came to meet us in those same ways. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to thank you so much for, for Jesus, for your word and, and retelling his life for us so that we can know and understand how much you love us through his life. Lord, I pray for anyone today that, that might feel like they shouldn't be with you, that, that, that they've gone too far, that they've done too much. Lord, I pray today that they would experience your love and your mercy and your forgiveness. I want to pray for those who have doubts, Lord, that they would discover new hope and trust in you. Lord, I want to pray for people who, who, who maybe see themselves as small or insignificant, Lord, that you would show them how wonderful and capable and, what, and brilliant they are. And Lord, for those with the expectation to meet you, Lord, I pray you'd meet them. And like always, Lord, you would exceed their expectation. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's Mother's Day today. Happy Mother's Day to all of you out there who might be mothers. And I just wanted to take a second to acknowledge that Mother's Day can be really difficult for some people. I know that it was for me for a long time as we waded through infertility. So this morning we wanted to let you know that Jesus sits with you in the middle of your pain um, and the middle of the complex emotions that can come up at Mother's Day. We're really thinking of people who have lost children, people who have lost their mothers, or those that might have a strained relationship with mothers. We're really thinking of mothers with strained child relationships. We think of those who have chosen not to be mothers, um, and we think of those who are yearning or were yearning to be mothers. We think of those who are adopted. We think of those with children in other care. It is complex because the nature of being human is complex. And so this morning, just again, you are not alone. If Mother's Day is complicated for you, special love for you this morning, special blessing over you this morning too. God is with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. This morning, I wanted to share from you Numbers 6, verse 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And Simon and I, that's our prayer for this church this morning. um, That we want to say, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. That's our desperate cry for you this morning. I also wanted to share this song. It was written only a few weeks ago um, in the time of Corona. 
as a prophetic blessing over people. So you can sing it over yourself. You can sing it to people in your world. And this morning, we are going to sing it over you. So I pray and just ask that you would just sit back and receive. If you need to close your eyes and reach out your palms, please do. Because this morning, we want you to get the full effect of this blessing, these words washing over you. Um, and just thanking God for his provision and his purpose over us, even when we can't see it.
joining us this week at Church Online with Norellan Community Congregational Church. We pray that it's been a blessing to you and that this week you might make a difference in the heart of your community. Please reach out if you have any needs or you want us to pray for you. We'd love to do that and we hope to see you next week. Be blessed. Cross for